Ho, 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 and hey, everybody, for <laughs> welcome to uh, the 20th episode of Earwax, Amoeba's very first podcast. It is the holiday season, as you may have guessed. Cody, welcome, Cody, who is nev- also here. <laughs> I would have never guessed. Hello, Hillary. <laughs> but thank you. The indicator of ho, 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 hey. Oh, that's really- just how I introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> What's the issue? I think nothing. It's a, a totally generic intro that everybody, um, a lot of people do. It's not unique. So. Comes very natural to me. So I appreciate. <laughs> uh, I appreciate your appreciation. Howdy, 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 yo! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Cody, how are you doing on this fine morning? I'm doing just wonderfully. How are you doing? You got some some gunk in the throat. I am a little sick. Uh, thank you for noticing. <laughs> it's probably all this cold chilly winter air in los angeles oh that reminds me i don't know if i've told you this but i definitely told claudia this the other day i was walking to work i was walking to work and it's about like 50 degrees out mm-hmm. um it was a little rainy oh. i know it, it was a little rainy <laughs> what a nightmare it was a, a little wet um but i saw a couple of cars at least two who were warming their cars up and i called my dad and i called my mom i called everybody back in kansas and i was like hi we are weak out here (laughs) 50 degrees they would they they would be in shorts oh i'm an infant (laughs) when it comes to when it comes to weather i'm so sensitive i have gotten that way and it makes me so so mad like i'm in sweatpants and a sweater right now and it's like it's not it's not cold my toes are basically ice cubes (laughs) yeah i saw a couple of cars warming themselves up gotta defrost that windshield at 50 degrees what are we doing out here we're taking care of ourselves self-care yes thank you it's really important Mm. (laughs) it's great for the environment Um, as everybody might have guessed at this point, it is our first holiday episode that we're going to be doing, um, second week of December Mm -hmm. at this point, and, uh, we're starting to feel it. It's getting exciting. It's getting exciting. The store's moving, as we talked about last week. Uh, we're covering a holiday record, which is, I I think that's really interesting. (laughs) Holiday records can get kind of a a bad reputation. Oh my God. We have so much to talk about here. And we play a lot of different holiday records, um, in the store during this time. Your mileage certainly varies. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's, um, fun. Every year we would have a store employee who would dub himself, DJ uh, David Wassail Watkins, and he will play an assortment of like really cool and interesting different uh, holiday songs over the years. And uh, it's one of my favorite DJ sets that we would do every year because it gives you such a good idea of the very small pocket of holiday music that actually is very good. It's so (laughs) easy to get... uh, over encumbered with little video game term here over encumbered with uh like terrible commercialized holiday music there's just like 
this huge industry of holiday music that is made in a very like fast, generic fashion entirely for profit. And uh, a lot of the time it's unfortunate because it makes it seem as though all holiday music is made with that same intention. And I, in my personal opinion, that's not the case. You just have to look for it. It's one of the things that I am going to touch on is because uh, we're the album that we're covering is mm-hmm. Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. It's, it's a holiday. One of my favorite holiday yeah, albums of all time. A, it's a holiday soul party, and it is <clears throat> a lot of times Christmas albums feel outside of the rest of an artist's canon mm-hmm. or in the rest of an artist's discography. Like I don't, I think Amoeba has this, but in the Elvis section we have Elvis CDs. And then we have Elvis Christmas CDs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, think, I think Sinatra is the same way. Totally. Like a lot of those, it, it, they feel separate from the rest of an artist's work. And that is kind of the intent, like you had mm-hmm. mentioned, is like we're going to make these songs at a very specific time for a very specific time. <laughs> They're going to make a bunch of money. But like, Unless you're going to see an Elvis show in December, you're not going to hear him do songs from... Were you planning on seeing Elvis this December? Maybe. <laughs> you know, there's actually a, there's a restaurant right down the street from the store that used to employ a Thai Elvis every... every uh, I think it was like once a week, and he was fantastic. Well, Elvis was- is alive. Oh, I I forget. I forget. Thank you yeah, for reminding the me. Many people have seen him at Graceland <laughs> and they're like, he's like in the window. Like he'll, he'll like appear in the window. That's like, right. A movie just came out about him. Priscilla. <laughs> he's in that one, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, he's looking way younger these he's, days. He's looking great. It's amazing what technology can do. <laughs> Um, the, one of the things about holiday records is that they obviously are geared towards, um, the good ones are really geared towards like helping you reflect on the mm-hmm. holidays and like feeling that spirit of camaraderie and togetherness. Um, we wanted to talk a little bit about the store's connection to this particular album and, and this group, um, Hillary, if you wanted to take a, talk a little bit more Well, one thing that is really nice about Amoeba, it's a larger record store. Obviously, it's one of the, I think it's the biggest independently owned record store in the world. Um, And uh, it is very rare that you see a corporation, if you want to call it that, (laughs) of that size uh, where the owners of or some of the owners of the business are regularly stopping by and at our location at hollywood at the hollywood store in amoeba um two of the owners are regularly there every single week uh if not every other day Mm -hmm. uh we see them all the time we interact with them all the time sometimes they're ringing you up behind the registers um but one of the owners karen we got to sit down and talk with her a little bit this week uh, about her connection to Sharon Jones because she's a huge Sharon Jones fan. Um, and uh, even went so far as to mention when Sharon Jones first released her first full-length album, uh, Dap Dippin', uh, Karen was really 
she became a huge fan right away. She was she said herself, and you just heard this, mm-hmm. that she really loves like no nonsense, no bullshit women, you know, just straight to the point, know what they want, care deeply about it, and are, are willing to show that, like bear themselves. And Sharon Jones is one of those people, certainly. Um, Karen went and saw her at the Knitting Factory location in Los Angeles yeah, when it crazy. was here. Very cool. Um, she took. Uh, she had a first date with somebody there. It was a very beautiful story. And uh, she spoke later about how she would see her so much over the years at every show. And uh, she actually came and played at our store mm-hmm. multiple times. She did a What's in My Bag. Yeah. Um, you can still look that up and see the things that she chose. And at the time, Karen was able to sit with her and talk to her about a lot of the picks that they both were interested in and that they had a shared mutual love for. One of those people being Sylvester. Sylvester. Yeah, That's who's so uh, from the Bay Area. Karen's from the Bay Area. I'm from the Bay Area. We talk about it quite a bit. Um, And uh, she said that they bonded over that, but they mostly bonded because she felt this kindred feeling with her that Sharon was also a person who cares deeply about life, about the people around her, about the voice that she has and how she can present that to the world and what she has to give like all of her emotion and all of her care and Karen would feel that same way um, is really special hearing her talk about the times that they shared together um, if uh, you're not a huge Sharon Jones fan or you've never heard of her before she did pass away in 2016 very sadly she was battling pancreatic cancer for many years they made a documentary about her Miss Sharon Jones Our store location is actually in the documentary. It's really uh, funny. We're just, Spencer and I were just uh, rewatching it this last week and we were laughing and pointing out all of the people that we knew. (laughs) And and, um, uh, at the end of this documentary, it's this beautiful celebration of the fact that she beat cancer. And unfortunately, as they were showing this documentary, at a film festival, they announced that the cancer had come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and Karen was able to see her uh, a month before she passed at the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. And she was an opening act, which is insane. That's bonkers. Yeah. Um, but uh, she said that even as a huge fan, like as she had seen her so many times throughout the years, she could feel in that moment at that show, something was Mm -hmm. different. Um, But I loved hearing her reminisce about that first show that she saw at the Knitting Factory. She said she stepped out on stage barefoot in like a gorgeous silver dress, which is so very Sharon. It's just very special to be able to reminisce on this person who um, provided us with so much wonderful music and really cared about music, worked so hard to get there. We'll talk. We want to like give her her due and talk a little bit about her when we're talking about this Christmas album, because um, unfortunately, it ended up being the very last album that she put out before she passed. Mm -hmm. That's it's kind of the beautiful thing about Amoeba is <clears throat> like they did a 
a, an in-store. Mm-hmm. They did a what's in my bag. They mm-hmm. did a signing, which is what's featured in the mm-hmm. in the documentary. Hell, the, Sharon Jones and Dab Kings did just about everything but hop on the register when, <laughs> yeah, it, when really. it comes to <laughs> comes to Amoeba. And like bands and groups and artists are drawn to the store mm-hmm. because it's a place that is. <clears throat> um, the people that work there have that 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 sense that you were talking about they care about what's going on in the world they care about the music and how people are speaking mm-hmm. um in the world and to have a kind of a cultural hub in the heart of hollywood mm-hmm. um that's like a gathering place for folks like that mm-hmm. where sharon jones and dab kings can pop in where david lynch can Mm -hmm. pop in you know where (laughs) folks like that can just come in and it functions as like a hub it's really beautiful Mm -hmm. it's really beautiful that's one of my favorite things about all three locations you know that there's this feeling right when you walk in that sort of hits you in the face that is uh, if I care about this, I know that everybody in here cares about it too. And in that way, we care about each other. Well, and so as we're running through the holidays, because mm-hmm. it's it's cooking right yeah. now. <laughs> it's cooking right sizzling. now. It's sizzling. <laughs> um, lots of foot traffic, I would imagine, mm-hmm. at the store. On Saturday, we had like this uh, big Super Saturday sale. So it was packed, oh, packed yeah. to the brim. It's... Yeah, we're seeing it at the web store too. We sold like, I don't know, five or 10 copies of Wild Planet. No big Woo, deal. No yes. big deal. Correlation does not equal causation, but I think it does. But it does. It does. Yes. It definitely does. Factually, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but we're like, we're, we're, everybody is locked in. Everybody's really running. Um, there's that energy that we talked about last week with people looking for that stocking stuffers, people looking to, you know, to set people up for the new year with their new collection. What I something that I really appreciate is that every year Amoeba does they like set aside a day for mm-hmm. their employees to go and kind of let loose a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had our holiday party. Well, it'd be two weeks once mm-hmm. this airs. Um, and it's just a really nice time for us all to go and kind of be like, wow, it's busy right now. Yeah. It's so busy. Um, let's get drunk about it. Let's get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and they have, uh, they have uh, folks that DJ, mm-hmm. right? Like we, we have a ton of uh, uh, people that DJ professionally mm-hmm. um, and they come over and they like share time or, you know, they, um, they DJ, they each have their own little set and you get to hear uh folks's different taste and that's like really incredible uh before the pandemic it was referred to and was known as amoeba palooza mm-hmm. it's uh quite a different situation um oh, yeah. i was only able to attend one of these um before the pandemic hit and let me tell you so we just talked about or i just mentioned like these people that have the dj talent amoeba palooza was a totally different thing because folks would form like one-off bands Mm -hmm. and you would see everybody in the store who has music talent play like 20 minute sets with each other and hillary you were i the one time that i got to see amoeba palooza you and spencer were part of a group 
Yeah, Spencer's right here, right? What up, Spencer? Yeah. Sure was, yeah. yeah. You guys did heart covers, is that right? I feel like you were doing heart. I don't. I think we've done so many Amoeba Palooza bands over the years. The ones that we were in together was uh, I believe we did heart. We did a Queens of the Stone Age cover band, and we did a Fleetwood Mac cover band. That's correct. Most yeah. notable, I think, was heart. Um, that set has come back to haunt us for many years literally every single time heart is played in the store at least one employee comes up to me and is like remember when you did this for me but palooza right. <laughs> like, every time but it was so much fun one of the best parts about amoeba palooza is that you partner up with different people that maybe you don't even normally talk to all the time in the store and uh you go like Hey, I heard you're a really good bass player and let's make this happen. You know, um, there's so many fun cover bands. Sometimes people do like really weird, interesting things. Uh, we had a girl a couple years ago, just she was like brand new at the time and she came up and lip synced a song all by herself and the whole house went wild. It was such a blast. Um, I saw a Bjork. Bjork cover band where she dressed up as the perfect exact homogenic cover that was awesome. it was incredible um my very first uh amoeba palooza set i ever did i was in a kiss cover band it was such a blast um we went backstage and there were a bunch of employees that were like trying to help us all out because we had had a few too many drinks <laughs> and they were trying to help us paint the kiss makeup on our faces and i remember there was this one girl who told me uh she was gonna paint a star over my eye and she was like, I got this, no problem. And I felt her start the star at my forehead. And then when she went to put the side of the star out, it went all the way across <laughs> to the other side of my face. And then she pulled away and she said, I think I'm too drunk to do this. <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up just rallying and fixing it myself. And it was just a total blast. Somebody like jumped up on stage in the middle of the set and started rolling around on the ground and stole somebody's mic and <laughs> sang along with us. It's just like total chaos and so much fun. We also did like a Madonna, Eras of Madonna a couple years ago that was so fun. We had like choreography. There were like six of us doing Madonna. Just such a blast. Amoeba Palooza is easily one of my favorite memories that uh, from Amoeba. It's such a great way of them saying, we know you've been serious for and locked yeah. in for like two, three months now. We're going to, let's not be serious. Yes. Right? Let's all just acknowledge. Ridiculous. Yeah. And also like show off some serious talent. Yeah. Like the folks that play at Amoeba Palooza, man, I'm telling you, like you mentioned that a lot of people have mentioned that heart set. There's a reason because it was awesome. <laughs> That's so it nice. Kicked ass. Thank you. And like everybody that I saw that one time that I was able to go, they ruled. Yeah. Everybody is so great. I mean, We had this uh, uh, employee, Antoine, who's so fun. He's a good friend of ours. And he would uh, put together a set that he called Antoine and the Tater Tots every year. And it was always like a medley of so many different things. He would bring in his friends, his backup dancers. And it, it's so much fun. Every It's just a night for everybody to dress up totally ridiculously, drink too much, meet all new people, dance together and like celebrate how passionate your like fellow employees are about this thing that you all love. Yeah. 
That's like the real spirit of Amoeba. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like raw, uncut Amoeba. Yeah. <laughs> True. They could make a reality show just about that night every year, I'm sure. <laughs> Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way for this holly jolly week of releases. Because this week we start off with popular indie artist Dominic Fike, whose most recent album, Sunburn, will be available on vinyl. Thank you, Dominic. We have a Bill Evans release entitled Bill Evans with Orchestra releasing on vinyl. Ooh, that sounds cool. Yes. Dance music duo Disclosure's album Alchemy, which was released earlier this year, will be available on vinyl. Robbie Robertson's posthumous soundtrack for the new Martin Scorsese movie, Killers of the Flower Moon, is releasing on vinyl as well. And last but not least, Willie Nelson's live album, Long Story Short, Willie 90, was a celebration of his 90th birthday at the Hollywood Bowl featuring tons of other artists, including Neil Young, Nora Jones, Sheryl Crow, Chris Stapleton, and of course, Snoop Dogg will be available on CD and vinyl. I like that Dominic Fike released an album called Sunburn. In mid December. (laughs) (laughs) He's feeling the burn. So festive, red. You know, it's on brand. Very beautiful. Very beautiful. (laughs) Okay, it's about time we get to the real meat of this episode. Today, we will be talking about It's a Holiday Soul Party by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Came out October 20th, 2015. And uh, like I've said before, this is one of my favorite holiday albums Um, for a couple reasons, but mostly because Sharon herself is so full of like heart and soul and it really comes through uh, on an album that is all about celebrating that very specifically in this time of year. And it comes very authentically from her. Do you agree? 100%. It's uh, one of the things that I like about this album is that it sets so comfortably within the rest of their catalog. Mm-hmm. We talked earlier about how um, holiday records very often feel outside Mm-hmm. of the rest of an artist's work. And this this is their sixth studio album, and it feels like it just fits right in with the rest of their stuff. It, it's so true. Um, it really showcases what the Dap Kings are able to do with their bands, and we, we have a lot to talk about there. Oh, yeah. But um, also, it feels like a release for Sharon, especially during such a personal time for mm-hmm. her where she was going through something extremely traumatic as like uh, she passed very soon after this Mm -hmm. album came out. And um, it's just special to hear somebody at such an important and such a, you know, such a emotional time in their life take all of that emotion that they're experiencing and put it into the joy that you can feel throughout this yeah, album. Yeah, that, that sentiment really it permeates the album. There is such a, a sense of life and joy. It's a celebration. A, really, a, a holiday soul party, yeah. if you will. Yeah, and a great title for the album. Super straightforward, just like Sharon herself. Yeah, uh, I would like to talk a little bit about her personally. I would love that. Okay, she grew up in a house of 10. 
That is true. Yes. Uh, her mom took in, I believe it was her aunt's children. Mm-hmm. And so as a big household. Yeah. Uh, One of like six kids. Yeah. But then you add in four, four more, more after her mom's sister passed. She grew up in North Augusta, South Carolina and Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And I think I, that's really interesting to me. Those regional influences are really felt on this record. Mm-hmm. Like you can really hear the Southern gospel sensibilities and then it's like mixed with the electricity and the drive of, of New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Brown is a huge influence yes. on, on her. And I think her mom met James Brown when they, they were had, young. They yeah. both lived in Georgia. Yeah. Like it, it, roughly in the same neighborhood, yeah. which is pretty great. Um, Sharon has said that she felt, uh, always like a sense of responsibility to to her mm-hmm. family. She would she went out and earned money for the family either through her music or with various other jobs. Um, she did talent shows where she was backed by funk bands. She did session work as a backing vocalist, and then more unconventionally, she was an armored car guard uh-huh. and a correctional officer at Rikers Island. Which is so intense uh, from such like a small, powerful woman. It's Badass. Yeah, it's badass. Like, yes, because she is like a small person, mm-hmm. and like a correctional officer at Rikers Island. That's pretty intense. I love the armored car guard. Yeah, that is like serious business. Who would have thought? It, and still, once you learn it, it's like that makes perfect sense. She just seems so direct, and. Uh, like you mentioned, one of her main goals growing up was just to make money for her family and like support the rest of her family. A music executive told her that she was too fat, too black, too short, and too old. That yeah, it's I an, heard that too. An insanely yeah. out of pocket thing mm-hmm. to say in any case. Um, people like that having decision making power in any industry is extraordinarily yeah. foul. Um, but I'd like to just take a look at what they took issue with. Everything except what? The music. Yes. It's so true. It's such a fundamentally flawed comment that I would question why in the world someone like that has the position that they do. Absolutely. And especially, obviously, not a very good judge of character because all of those are parts of her personality that really shine through and make her such a wonderful performer. Exactly. All of those things that she is too, that's great. Like, yeah. good, like good, awesome. Yeah. And they, yeah, like you said, they are part, of, they are who she is. Yes. And that identity is so strong and so palpable in her performances. Why would you want to ignore it? Yeah. It's, it's ignorant. Yeah. They're just things that shine about her and make her special and make her to be the person that she is. And she doesn't ever seem ashamed of who she is. No, nor should she be, no. obviously. Uh, so after bouncing around for a number of years doing these various jobs, trying to get session work, uh, she links up with Gabriel Roth and Philip Lehman to sing backing vocals on a Lee Fields record. Hillary, I'm now going to defer to you here. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about Desco and okay. what that is, because um, the label that Sharon Jones is on is Daptone. Um, and, uh, some of you might be very familiar with Daptone through, uh, they put out, uh, the Sacred Souls who were very popular these last few years. Mm-hmm. People have been buying that record like crazy. Um, you might know them for their work with Antibalas or Budos Band or, uh, Charles Bradley. Um, uh, but here is how Daptone was formed and what Desco is. So, 
when Gabe Roth, who really is a cornerstone of Daptone, that name is very important to remember for mm-hmm. this episode, uh, Gabe Roth meets Philip Lehman. And Philip Lehman is a really interesting guy as well. Uh, Philip Lehman was a major part of the Parisian graffiti art scene growing up, <laughs> which Hell is yeah. bonkers. And he shared his uh, deep love that he had with art, also with music. Mm. He was a really serious record collector. He was such a fan of hunting down older, harder to find soul songs. So he started making compilations of them that he would release under the name Pure Records as his own record label. And Gabe Roth was a fan of Pure Records. So when Lehman moved to New York, the two met up and bonded over their mutual obsession with this particular soul and funk throwback scene of the the, the, uh, 60s and 70s. And the two of them got together to form Desco Records, which is a label born of two people that cared deeply for this particular style of music and sought to make it feel as authentic as possible, even going so far as to omit the details of the recording dates of their projects to lead the listener to believe this record was really made in the era to which they were trying to pay respect. I love that. It's so fun. It's like, if you're going to go with a theme, go all in. That's a, a blast. So they put some really cool stuff out on Desco. A lot of Lee Fields, some uh, Sugarman 3, which will come into play later. Mm. And during some of these recordings with Lee Fields, they discovered this woman that had been singing backing vocals for him in the spare time between her shifts as a corrections officer at Rikers. You can probably guess who that is. <laughs> um They were so blown away by her passion and vocal power because none of the other backup singers showed up to the recording session. So she ended up singing all of the backing vocal parts. And they were really impressed by that. She was so passionate and her voice was so powerful. So they decided to make a few recordings with her taking the lead as well. Um, One of the songs that they pitched to her first was a song that was traditionally uh, for male vocals and she just took it over and sang it so gorgeously that uh they were they decided to take her on as an artist and they produced a couple singles of her Mm. uh just on her own but then only about three years later gabe roth and philip lehman decided to part ways and do their own thing uh, they both had this very similar interest in this style of soul music but with just a slight difference of opinion on exactly how it should be conveyed. Yeah. Philip Lehman wanted it to be like a little dirtier, grungier funk. And um, Gabe is really drawn to this like very classic 60s throwback soul sound. It's so pure. Yeah. Um, so they disbanded Desco and Philip Lehman uh, founded two other labels before cooling off his work in the music scene to move to the Dominican Republic and pursue a career in cave diving. (laughs) Interesting guy, like I said. One of the acts that Desco had produced while it was up and running, like I said, was Sugarman 3, which is a New York three-piece funk band, and the band was named for its saxophonist, Neil Sugarman, who then partnered up with Gabe Roth, and they both formed Daptone from that. So the two of them 
founded that label in around 2001 in Brooklyn, Daptone often uses eight-track recording, and they'd even record over tracks to make sure that the performers were truly performing the piece as it needed to sound live, with all the volume, tempo, everything exactly how it needs to sound, because their band... uh, is so put together and so intricate. They want everything to be just precise, exactly how that feeling should be anywhere they're going to play it. It comes through in the recordings. It's a very daptone sound. It's very daptone sound. It's very sharp. It's very crisp. Mm-hmm. Um, I, analog is yes. the, the word that I would use. Karen Jones and the Dap Kings is the group that kind of uh, is formed for Daptone. Mm-hmm. And they release um, f- albums and tour uh, fairly steadily, but they're interrupted, of course, by her, her cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the documentary that we mentioned earlier, Miss Sharon Jones, chronicles her, the group, and the Daptone label navigating through all of it. It's a really wonderful documentary, very mm-hmm. poignant, and I would strongly encourage the folks. Uh, I would certainly, I would strongly encourage folks to check it out. Obviously, for its its poignancy, but also because there's some truly brilliant footage of the band performing, and she is mm-hmm. just electric on stage. Yeah, she's just really remarkable. It's a privilege to watch her perform. Definitely, as we, I think we mentioned, Amoeba, uh, Amoeba does make a, a cameo. Yeah, in, in the <laughs> yeah. documentary, they did a signing for the the album and give the people what they want at the old Hollywood location. Mm-hmm. It was really cool seeing Amoeba from 2014. Yeah, I can't. It must have been that year, but I, I know she's played at the store twice and I saw that last performance. I was it was probably I was probably there at that signing. Mm-hmm. I was searching for myself in the documentary. <laughs> Did not see myself. I'm not present. But I am somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, and it just yeah, I that, that documentary is really beautiful. Um, definitely worth mm-hmm. checking out. Uh, she initially beats cancer um the documentary airs uh, while they're touring with it she announces of course that it's returned um and she passes away in november of 2016 so this album it's a holiday soul party is the last album released during her life uh, with a final album following it in 2017 it's mm-hmm. a very brief snapshot of who sharon jones and the dap kings are mm-hmm. they're really great we love dap tone here mm-hmm. uh, i think they've just they're really um, wonderful label. Uh, it seems like the it, a very uh, collaborative spirit, mm-hmm. um, and they just put out great, great records. Yeah, they really care about the music that they're putting out, um, and I think that really shines through. Uh, the Dap Kings themselves, it's pretty interesting. So when they were on Desco, that there were some members that they put together for Sharon and they called themselves the Soul Providers, Great which name. is such a good name. That's a sick name too. Yes. Yeah. Um but when they moved over to Daptone and made Sharon an official act making her own full albums to put together, they changed the name to the Dap Kings. And the Dap Kings themselves have had 17 total members over the years with an average of nine people in the band at the time. And this isn't even counting the Dap Ets, who are the background singers, um, two of which are featured on this album. Their names are Son and Star, which is 
such a good pairing name. San's full name is Sandra. Um, they were their friends, like, and they they, they 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 sang with Sharon for a long time. Oh yeah. So the fun story about San and Star is that uh, I had. Oh, you know what it was? Okay, so one of them, both of them were called in. Okay, no. One of them was at like a (laughs) bar and one of them was at a bar singing and the other one saw them there and uh, they were a fan. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting the names mixed up, but one of them approached the one who was performing and was like, "I, you sounded amazing. I thought you sounded so good. I'm a fan. We should be friends, etc. Then they sort of lose touch. Years pass and they both get called in for auditions for Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, they get called in separately and somebody who's setting them up at Daptone is like, oh, yeah, and I think you would sound really girl good with this girl. Uh, we should pair you up for a recording. And they were both like, oh, my God, we know each other. Been a while. Yeah, and they instantly clicked so hard it was like in hiring on the spot. That's amazing. Yeah. They both got along really well with Sharon, too. They said that as soon as they met Sharon, all three of them clicked as great friends. And they the, were very close to the end. Their, their chemistry as backing vocalists with her is just phenomenal. So good. And they've actually released their own album, Son and Star, on oh, cool. uh, uh, Daptone. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, Son and Star, they're the Dapats featured on this album. Oh, right. You can- and then uh, we have... Like, uh, again, I think one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's eight Dap Kings on this album. Okay. One of which is Bosco Mann, who, if you're not already familiar, is actually Gabe Roth. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's usually uh, featured in a lot of the acts that he puts together. Mm-hmm. And on this album, he's a band leader. He's a producer. He's a musician. Yeah, Gabe Roth is an interesting guy, honestly. Uh, and he grew up wanting to be a math teacher, which is a really weird <laughs> change of profession. Uh, it worked out. For the band, though, he's bassist. And then we have Neil Sugarman, who plays tenor sax. He was in the Sugarman 3, like I mentioned. Um, so both owners of the label are featured in the Dab Kings. Very cool. That's awesome. Yes. Then we have Binky Griptite whose real name is Franklin Stribling. We got a lot of alternate names on here. Both great names. He's uh, He plays guitar. He also does backup vocals. He's also a founding member of the band. Uh, he was also a found, founding member of Antibalas. Um, he was also in the Soul Providers. So they brought a lot of those people over to fill out this band. Then we have Homer Steinweiss. He's the drummer. He was also a founding member. You might have also heard his work in The Arcs with Dan Auerbach. He was in Lee Fields and the Expressions. He was in El Michelle's Affair. Um, And then we have Dave Guy on trumpet, who is currently a member of The Roots uh, as Fallon's house band for The Tonight Show. Um, he's also been in Menahan Street Band, Budos Band. He was in Lee Fields. Um, you've also heard him on, uh, on why is his name evading me? Um, 
massive producer, Mark Ronson. Thank you. <laughs> okay. You're welcome. Um, you've also heard him on Mark Ronson's Valerie mm. and Bruno Mars's Uptown Funk. And he toured with Amy Winehouse briefly. Also, another thing uh, we haven't even mentioned thus far, many of the members of the Dap Kings on this album uh, played on Back to Black. Amy oh, Winehouse's yeah, yeah. Back to Black. Um, there, are, there are a lot of artists prominently featured. They reached out to Daptone. She was a huge Daptone fan. And she asked uh, Gabe Roth, like, fill up my musicians. Like, I want them to sound like that. Um, that sounds so that's very cool. Testament to uh, yeah. his uh, ear. And then we have Fernando Boogaloo Velez, who mm. plays conga and bongos on this album. Joe Joey Crispiano plays guitar. And then we have Cheme on tenor and alto sax. That's everybody who's in this album on this album. So we have Sharon Jones herself two backup singers, and eight band members. It's a full sound. It is a full sound. It is a full stage. It's a full stage. Yes. And that's a, like a really big build for a holiday album mm -hmm. also a lot of the time you just throw a pop vocalist on a track and uh you go like let her rip let her rip we'll sell millions and but uh for this specific album there was so much care that was put into it and uh they were they cover a lot of classic holiday songs but they also make a lot of their own original holiday songs yeah and like that's it's what's so interesting about it is like there's clearly a lot of care and love and thought mm -hmm. that went into this album. This was by far the most difficult album that we've had to research since we've started working on the show. There is basically nothing, <laughs> nothing on this, nothing album. on this album, which is strange to me, but also not. It's a combination of things. Holiday records get overlooked. Mm -hmm. This is a fairly recent album. It's 2015 is yeah. what we said. Yeah, so it's not even 10 years old. Um, and this record is also sandwiched between the album they toured with just after her treatment, her mm -hmm. comeback record, and the album that was released after she passed. Mm -hmm. So it's a holiday record. It's just, it's just gonna get overlooked. Mm -hmm. um, but that's okay. Because the music itself has so much to say. Yeah. And not at our store either, which is also another crazy thing that we totally glossed over and didn't mention at all is uh, we were planning on getting a lot more information about <laughs> this album. Um, we actually had plans set up. We were going to speak with the Dap Kings themselves and talk about this album. Uh, and we had a bunch of questions for them. We just couldn't work out the timing, uh, the scheduling in time to record. It's such a bummer. Cause such a bummer, there's but so like, much to learn about. Yeah. They, I'm sure that there's yeah. a wealth of information there. Yes. And if that ever changes and we're able to figure it out, hell you know, yeah, we'll tell you on social media or something. <laughs> So one of the so one of the questions that I was going to ask them mm -hmm. is one that I think is a great question. All my questions are great. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, I wonder if it feels odd for holiday or for musicians to record holiday tracks in like May. 
Oh my god, right? Where right? like like have you ever been to a movie in the daytime and you like walk out and it's like four thirty yes, and it's still daylight? Like, yes. I wonder if like you're you, like four hours of just concentrated holiday spirit and then you like walk out and it's like June ninth. Yeah. <laughs> <like>, ah. <laughs> Go to the beach. <laughs> Go to the beach. Yes. I know. I feel like you would really have to throw yourself into it. I would decorate. Yeah, true. Yeah. I would wear hats, Santa yeah. hats. Maybe. Of course you would wear hats. Yeah, jingle bell <laughs> shoes. And that would be yeah. my percussion. Like, I would, yeah. <laughs> You've really thought about this. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> Extensively. Uh, I think that it is kind of funny that this is probably the most like pure soul album that mm-hmm. we've covered thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a holiday album. Yes. But it does such a masterful job of embracing like the holiday vibe while also not feeling constrained by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it goes back to what I was saying about it resting so comfortably in their uh, discography. You don't have to squint to uh, hear the holiday influence, but it's not so abrasive that it is so locked yeah. into, you know, the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just crisp grooves that really elevate her vocal performance. Uh, there's a real communal feeling on this album. Everybody kind of knowing their role and doing their best to serve both the song and her vocal performance, mm-hmm. which really stands out. Totally. Um, I wanted to take a second and just consider her place in time, um, her place during this time and in general. She is a major, major reason for Daptone as a label, their success. Um, and at, as such, she carried an immense feeling of responsibility for folks' well-being. Mm-hmm. When you have the weight of an entire label on your shoulders, that's a tremendous responsibility. Yeah. And to add to the context of what she was going through personally, it makes her performance on this record really, really, really special. Mm-hmm. Um, as we mentioned before, there's such a current of joy that runs through this album and it, like that energy that pushes even the more reflective songs on the album to a kind of a place of revelry. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that to cut what is, in my opinion, a really all-time great holiday record amidst some fairly tumultuous circumstances. It's the very definition of like pressure making diamonds. Oh, it's so true. It it really shows like watching that documentary, Miss Sharon Jones, watching this person go through such a personal turmoil and reflect on their life and the people in it and what their life means to them. And then knowing that that's the state of knowing that she was diagnosed, was told that the cancer was gone. Mm. She was good. And then the cancer came back. And that's the state of mind. So reflective and so um, conscious, you know, so present I can't imagine reflecting on something like the holidays, writing songs about what they mean to you and what you should care about. For me, like I'm not a religious person myself and I still really love the holidays because I feel like it when you get past all of the people who are trying to buy presents and rush into each other and it's really about appreciating the time you have with the people that you care about and that's exactly what comes through 
most. It's a celebration of life and it's a celebration of the ability to experience it. I'm of the firm belief that Christmas is strictly about presents. Mm, mm, this doesn't surprise me. Mm, yes. So I really appreciate all of uh-huh. what you said, but I patently disagree with it. I would. I shudder to think what your holiday album would sound like. <laughs> well, it could be an Amoeba exclusive. Okay, great. <laughs> so Eight Days of Hanukkah is the opening track. And man, what an opener. I love how immediately they're just going to flip so much holiday music convention on its head. Like, let's just open the record with a mid-tempo groove that goes through the traditions of Hanukkah. I have to say, this very song is at least half of the reason why I wanted to choose this record. Okay. I think that there are so few Hanukkah songs that exist and this Hanukkah is the best Hanukkah song that I know. It is so good and it's so like true to tradition. From what I understand, Gabe Roth is Jewish Mm. and I'm so interested in his influence and his inspiration for including this song. It's wonderful. It has many references to the classic dreidel song and it goes through all eight days of Hanukkah with classic references to traditions that take place on each day. It's so detailed. It's so full of love and warmth and it is a Hanukkah jam. I would listen to the. I do listen to this Hanukkah song every single December. I'm not familiar with Hanukkah, um, so I felt like I was learning <laughs> while I was grooving. I was like, this song is educational. It's really informative. <laughs> and also, any song that mentions brisket and latkes is just Yum. fine in my book. Like, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That feels like home. Yeah, that feels like yeah. home. Yeah. Uh, the video is. Um, it's done in the style of like a 70s Sesame Street electric company <laughs> yeah. kind of vibe, which totally matches with what they're doing. I cool. think I think all of their videos are done in-house too. Love that. Which is great. But yeah, the video is very um one, two, like schoolhouse rock. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's really great. Very vibrant, very colorful, yeah. full of full of love. Um, I, I love Which that is, a, if you it, don't get it, it's a line they repeat. But it is. They get it. It is, <laughs> <laughs> it is like, it really expresses like the feeling of Hanukkah, you know, like the feeling of ho- the holidays in general just being surrounded by ones that you love and uh, the fact that she was able to portray that so uh, so authentically was lovely. Not to really hone in or belabor the point about latkes, mm-hmm. but I just discovered them this year. and What? It's amazing. Oh, my I, I, God. I couldn't believe what I've been missing. I had to reassess a lot of things about like my breakfast food rankings. Dude. To have that, it, I wish I'd have had that every holidays. I I can't. Yeah. I've thirty two years of missing out on lockers at Christmas is sh- shameful. 
you know what, too? My my family is not Jewish, but I uh, had a previous relationship with somebody who was Jewish. And Passover, I got to tell you, that is an entire holiday that's entirely about eating a ton of food and you have to drink wine like during specific parts of the meal. It's just about getting drunk and eating food. <laughs> I was like, this holiday rules and everybody <laughs> should celebrate it. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Ain't No Chimneys in the Projects is a brilliant track. It apparently comes from a genuine question she asked her uh, mother when she was a kid, how could Santa get into the houses in their neighborhood because there's no chimneys? And that's a bleak question. It's mm-hmm. very astute. It's um, very innocent. And like, very innocent. Yeah. Um, I have some of the lyrics here. Uh, Mama sat me down and said, baby, Santa Claus does magic things. As soon as you're asleep, a chimney will appear. And in the morning, you will see all he brings. Don't you worry that there ain't no chimneys in the projects. Now I'm all grown and I see it wasn't Santa who got that magic done. But Mama, now I know you were the one. There ain't no chimneys in the projects. And that's just so wonderful Mm. to me. The mom keeping alive a sense of wonder and magic in the world, showing that hope and uh, willpower and love can find a way to get around obstacles. And then the narrator, Sharon, Mm -hmm. reflecting back on that and like realizing that it wasn't something magical in the literal sense that there aren't magical chimneys, but that love and willpower from her mom is itself magic. And that's the message. Right. Yeah. And especially knowing that when you read up on her, the whole thing is like, she wanted to make enough money to get her family out of the projects. Like it's just powerful hearing. uh, We have no proof that this was like written from her own personal experience, but it sure seems that it aligns very uh in a very like similar way to do all of that and still inject a comment on society is just mm-hmm. incredible that there ain't no chimneys in the projects is such a vivid pointed line mm-hmm. it relays so much in mm-hmm. just a few words like when you hear that you know exactly what, what the song talking. is about you yeah. just know um but and it grooves yeah it's so good and also what i Just what I want to say about White Christmas. So it's the third song on the album. It's the first classic song that they cover Mm. on the album. The first two are originals, like we just talked about. And one of the best things about this album is how it reinterprets all the classic songs with a new perspective. So it feels really fresh. This song is such a good example of that because they took such a classically somber and melancholy Christmas song and they turn it into this song that's really hopeful and driving. It's more of like an energetic interlude to the album and it's so fun. I love how she does that. I have a very similar feeling about Silent Night. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> So I grew up in rural Kansas, as I mentioned before, and mm-hmm. I attended a Baptist church for the better part of 20 years. Mm. I have heard Silent Night so, so many times, as I'm sure most people have. Now, the version that we heard and sang in church <laughs> was, we'll say, closer to a funeral dirge. <laughs> like, anything beyond halftime was It is too a fast. silent night. Yeah. Like, they, like, everyone is like, well, we all know he ends up on the cross, so we may as well start <laughs> lamenting it right now at his birth. 
it always felt so somber whenever I was growing up. Just like, got to get through this song mm-hmm. so we can get to the end of the service so then we can go finally open presents. <laughs> like, oh, God. I'm blown away by this version of mm-hmm. Silent Night. It's a dip. The steady, rocking, bluesy. There's like an electric guitar that kind of feels like it should be on like a chess records style song. It feels so much more like a celebration of birth. And her vocals on this is just immaculate. They're so syrupy. I, it's so funny that you mentioned hearing this song in church so much because my takeaway from this version of the song is that it has so much gospel influence in it. It's like a totally different version of church. A cool church. Yeah, a very cool (laughs) church. And uh, she's like, it feels like she's like reveling in awe of the greatness of all that is holy. Totally. Just her like, uh, really taking it all in, drinking it all in, the feeling and like being overwhelmed by uh, the feeling that she has in church. It is such a challenge to make a standard stand mm-hmm. out. And songs like this have been covered tens of thousands of times. Mm-hmm. And what I love about this version of Silent Night is that it doesn't do anything remarkably radical with the mm-hmm. arrangement. Like it's not like changing the fundamental mm-hmm. structure of the song, but what it allows for is just the soul of mm-hmm. her to it just breathes. Yeah, seep in every uh, syrupy. You mm-hmm. said syrupy. I think that's a great description mm-hmm. of it because it like that just kind of rocks back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then she's just on top of it, weaving around. Yes. And it's really such a beautiful part of both this song and this album. Holiday records really trade on emotions more than most music does. Mm-hmm. And it's like all stuff about the soul, goodwill, love, mercy, thankfulness, peace. Mm-hmm. And what this record does is kind of allows all of that to just kind of flow freely rather than try and downplay it or sterilize it for mass consumption. Mm-hmm. And the result is a song like Silent Night that just reinvigorates a generally solemn or meek sounding mm-hmm. song. There's nothing meek about the version mm-hmm. that we hear on this record. It is powerful. Yeah. It's grand. In your face. It's great. It's barely silent at all. <laughs> it's the opposite. It's a really it's loud a night. Very loud night. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about big bulbs. Big bulbs. <laughs> big bulbs. Where to begin with this song? <laughs> huh? I want to begin with the trumpet. Okay. The trumpet makes me feel like I like I'm walking down, like strolling down Frenchman Street in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. Um. I saw a review of this album and the person was pretty bitter. Um, uh, I see very few poor reviews of this album, but it came out around the time and this reviewer did not like it. And that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But one of the things that they said, they were like, Big Bulbs is actually just really unfortunate. I don't think that they realized <laughs> what this sounds like. <laughs> and I was like, you would have to be an idiot not to realize what this sounds like it's alluding to. <laughs> just to be clear, the lyrics are like, baby, you've got them big bulbs. Shining in your window tonight. Flashing. Yes, flashing, flashing in, your, flashing window in tonight. your window tonight. Yes, over and over and over. And 
to me, it's like so fun that she's saying that. It's like cheeky. It's silly. It's a little bit sexy. And she's just having fun with the oh, season. Yeah. It's the um, so they did a, a, a tiny desk concert mm-hmm. uh, for this album, and it's the last of three songs. Or it, th- there's three songs from this album. It's the last song from the concert, and everybody's having fun. Yeah, right? like you can't not get up and move to this song. It's placed really well. It's uh, on the album. It's between two kind of slower songs, so then you get this nice little. Let's come up a little bit with this cheeky song about big bulbs. Yes, big bulbs. <laughs> so stupid, big bulbs. but it's fun. I like, big and bulbs. it's like it's all about <laughs> shut up. It's all about just like celebrating and having a good oh, time. Oh yeah, baby, you got them big bulbs. Baby, you got them big bones. Baby, you got them big bones. Flashing in your window tonight. Maybe you got them big bones. Like what what Maybe a fun song to include. It's so easy to look at something like that and be like, oh, it's just a throwaway. But it's like just a testament to her personality and like what a uh, what a good time she was. Yeah. I, I it's a very fun song. Yeah. And big bulbs. Yeah. It, yes. <laughs> yes. And to conclude, big bulbs. Big bulbs. Um the next track is one of my favorites. Uh, it's a cover of Please Come Home for Christmas. And it's such an obvious choice to cover for their style of music. But you would never think of it right away, which is one of my favorite things about it. Um, this song, the the song Please Come Home for Christmas was originally written in 1960 by pianist Charles Brown. No relation to the other, other lovable Charles Brown of the season, whom you may or may not hear a little more about soon. Ooh, spoilers. Um, <laughs> I know, but uh, it really took off 18 years later when it was covered by the Eagles, which is the version most people probably know. Um, the Eagles version dethroned another favorite holiday song of mine as the first holiday song since 1963 to make the Billboard Top 20 chart. That other song was Roy Orbison's Pretty Paper. Ugh. I love that yeah. song. I mean, it's Roy so Orbison. good. Underrated, right? Yeah. Um, but in the Eagles version, they changed the opening lyric to sad, sad news. And in the, and in the original version by Charles Brown, which is done in true 60s soul fashion, the lyric is glad, glad news, mm. which are the same lyrics Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings chose to use, which would lead me to believe that they knew the Charles Brown version likely through Daptone, and uh, that's the version that they decided to cover, which is so authentically true to their oh, yeah. sound. And this is, it's it's been covered by the Eagles, like you mentioned, Cher, Bon yeah. Jovi, Willie Nelson. It's a very... Oh, how did I not mention Bon Jovi? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another great uh, video. This one is all claymation. Oh, I love that. They're all, yeah, um, it was all claymation. This one, I'm 99.9% sure that it was done in-house. Cool. Yeah. And it portrays uh, an older gentleman heading out into the winter uh, to send off a miss you letter to his to mm. his love. 
we get to see claymation versions of Sharon Jones and the Dap King singing the song, like in the, like just in the, like on the street. Cute. And of course, when the man gets back to his house, the love of his life has shown up and they share a sweet m- moment. Aww. And it's all in claymation and it's really wonderful. Oh, so I'm a big, like, Rankin Bass fan. Okay. Uh, and I watch Rankin Bass specials every year at Christmas time. So, um, I love anything that's done in that similar like animation style. It feels very nice for the holiday season. And that's just a little fact about me. (laughs) (laughs) We're opening it up. Getting real personal on this show now. That's really personal. Listen, I've got some demons. (laughs) (laughs) If we're doing public therapy, let's go for it. (laughs) It's about to get real dark. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, the next song is Funky Little Drummer Boy. Yeah. Um, which is almost a cover, but they do a, like a such a spin on it. This song is such a blast. And I particularly love the backing vocals by Son and Star. The whole song re- revolves around the groove and it's just emphasized by the title. It is truly so funky. And I like it better than the original. Oh, whoa. Hot take. We've now shifted to where a hot take strictly yes, podcast. That's yeah. True. There's like a nice little illusion playing with language. You've got obviously funky drummer from the James Brown reference. Like mm-hmm. there's that's there. But yeah, it it again does the a great job of like injecting energy into a a song that's like fairly slow mm-hmm. as a standard. This one is not. It's a groove, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's really great. And yeah, the the uh, the backing vocals on it are just. They're so in sync. Yeah. Like the whole record, everybody is in sync. They're... It's very collaborative. Yeah. Like it feels like, and that's actually like something that I really want to talk about with the last song. I, do you have anything? I don't have anything okay. else. Um, That's actually how I feel about uh, the very last song on the album, which is God Rest Ye Merry Gents. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also one of my favorite tracks on the album. And it's the only purely instrumental track uh and even though it's such a short track i love that they all really got to shine and be the centerpiece to the conclusion of an album that's so brilliantly layered but it only works when they're all working together Uh, This is definitely a song I recommend wearing headphones for. You can hear all of the different instruments working together so perfectly. It's so impressive to hear such a large band all playing in sync and everybody's so passionate about their instruments and the project that they're working on. And it really comes through. Their version of this song is really great. I would listen to it at any time of year. Yeah. All right. The uh, takeaway that I have is Big Bulbs. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that was really powerful, Cody. I'm I'm glad you said that. Wow. No, I've got more. What? <sighs> well, <laughs> I don't want to say that there not being a, a ton of information about this album readily available is a good thing. It's not. It's a shame that it isn't, mm. that there isn't. Um, where this album exists in her life and Daptone's history is really, really fascinating and makes the love and joy you feel throughout this album extra special. What I will say is that I have a habit of burying myself in facts and lore and research. It's truly an absolute joy every time I stumble into some rabbit hole that leads me into talking about a serial mascot or like any number of crazy things that are equally unlikely but also extremely compelling. 
in being so eager to tell an album's story, I have to remind myself that the music is what should be front and center, and everything around that is set dressing, albeit very cool set dressing. And It's a Holiday Soul Party is exactly as advertised. When you let the party into your soul, what you receive is the warmth, love, and care of a group of folks who have gathered together to celebrate the holidays the best way they know how. Jams. <laughs> Beautifully said. Thank you. Brings a tear to my eye. So, <laughs> well, holiday snowflake tear. The holiday snowflake mm-hmm. tear. Mm. <laughs> Can we get like a close up on the? Uh, Please. Uh, yeah. So whether you've heard it before or never heard it at all, big bulbs. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that. Phrase. I know. I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Throw this album on. It's phenomenal. I want to give a big thank you to everybody for listening again. Thank you so, so much. Not to you and to everybody else. Thank you very much. Not Cody. Um, If anybody else wants to reach out to us, not Cody, you can email us at earwaxpodcast at amoeba-music.com. You should also check out our social media pages on Instagram and also on TikTok at earwaxpod. You can follow Amoeba on Facebook and Instagram, all three locations, Amoeba Berkeley, Amoeba SF, Amoeba Hollywood. Amoeba Hollywood also has a TikTok page. You can check that out while you're at it. Head over to Amoeba.com and sign up for the email list. You can find coupons, uh, sales, updates on store news. Gift certificates are really big uh-huh. right now. Wait, Hit wait, one of those. Yeah. Uh, we do uh, shipping, uh, free shipping on music and movies. Go over to YouTube. Check out our... Uh, What's in my bag series? All kinds of great. I don't have a Sharon Jones did. Oh one. yeah, Sharon Jones yeah. did a did one a few years ago. It's really wonderful. Um, and please, 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 please give us a, a rate review and subscribe. It would make our Christmas and holidays so special. So special, mm, indeed. So thank you guys all so much. Happy holidays, and we're gonna see you around the stove.